challenging, so thank you for reading. We're in this study that's on prayer, and this week we sort of lay the foundation. Like, this is the most important thing to understand that puts us in a posture before God. That's the question of today. Like, how does God want to, uh, us to approach him? How are we to come to him? What is our identity before God? What is the basis by which we come to him? You'll see a woman named Heidi. Her name is Heidi Solomon. She and her husband, Rick, wanted to have a baby for years. They wanted to have a child. Finally, they decided to go through that process of being approved for adoption. And the day came when they got the approval. They flew to Romania and went into an orphanage where they had this, the, the opportunity to choose a six-year-old boy whose name was Daniel. And they brought Daniel home and they thought, okay, that's it, we're gonna live happily ever after. This is what we've been praying for, waiting for, living for. But it, it didn't work out. Though Daniel was almost seven, by the way, he had his first birthday, and because he had never had a birthday party, he began asking the question, why have I never had a birthday party? Where's my mother? Why have I never had any parents? He'd actually never slept even one night in a regular bed. This is how they were keeping little children in Romania. And the worst thing about it is all those years growing up, he had never been held. He'd never been held. Now imagine that for a moment. It turns out we desperately need love and we need to learn that we're loved. We need to come to accept it and rest in it and trust it. And as time passed, Daniel, he did not welcome love. He did not know anything about it. He didn't know what to do with it and what it was. And so as he entered into adolescence, literally he became, he became violent, dangerous really. And lacking this sense of connection, he was soon hurting his mother. Because he was so troubled, they were schooling him at home. And one day, he just punched her out. He'd grown to be so large, he could do that. She had a, had a black eye. Another day, he beat her up, and he threatened her holding a knife. And so finally, uh, Rick and Heidi had to hire like a bodyguard, somebody to be there while his adoptive mother was teaching him. So they started taking him to doctors. What is the matter with our boy? Two psychiatrists told Rick and Heidi that Daniel would never bond with them. They would never have that connection that children have with parents. And then a social worker looked at them and said, look, you really need to give him up. You need to give him away. He's never gonna be your child. And this was Heidi. She said, well, how can I give him up? He's my son. And here was this heartbreaking story, this boy that, that finally has been given a home and a, and a family, and he cannot receive it. And it, as I read that story, as I heard that story, I thought, how does that sound like our story, right? Finally, we have this father who, is, who has welcomed us in and given us a place in his family, and, and we, it's like we can't believe it. Let me tell you, as we're talking about prayer, in this series, I'm gonna be completely honest. The number one obstacle we face when it comes to prayer is the inability to receive love from God. Don't mistake the fact, he, he loves human beings. He, he loves those who have come to him in Christ, but we can't believe this. 
We can, we're not able to accept it. It's like we're challenged like Daniel is, and, and we believe God is at a distance, and, and we even stiff-arm him. You see, the Solomons brought him home into their family, and this is what God has done with us. And so today, we, we sort of get our arms around that and, and come to terms with, well, who are we before God? And how can we pray? How can we enjoy fellowship with God? Would you pray with me? Father, we, we so much need to see what's already happened, to see the status that we have and our identity too, because we don't know it, Lord. We can't see it. We feel like you're far away, and if, maybe if you were interested in someone, you wouldn't be interested in me, because I know a lot about myself, and Lord, we interpret every unanswered prayer as rejection or distance or maybe disapproval, and all the while you are revealing yourself as the Father that loves us. And so help us to grasp that, Lord, to grasp it in a way that we see the relationship that you've been given to us, that we've been given in Christ. We pray in his name, amen. The prophet Hosea said, when Israel was a child, this is God speaking, I, I loved him, and, and out of Egypt I called my son, and listen to this tenderness, I, I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. And, and this is how God is describing his love for his people. It's tender, it's caring, it's giving. And Sandy and I have, have three children. They're all grown and married now and live a long way away from Miami. And if you have more than one child, you know how different their personalities are. One of our children, when he was born, like the moment he was born, he just loved being loved. I mean, you could hold him for, you could sit at home for three hours. He'd be like, ah, more, 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 right? I mean, he just loved this. You can see when he was born, I'm holding him. That actually is me, but it's so long ago. It's definitely a different version of me, okay? And so literally, this is this child. And I was thinking about that. I would think about what would it be to be in that kind of relationship where we're drinking in the warmth of closeness. And, you know, I don't think we realize how much we long for we're made for affirmation and connection. About 100 years ago, the science was saying, hey, because of germs, they were just discovering how contagious uh, bacteria could spread infections and the danger of contagion. They said, look, when you have that child, you should hold them as little as possible. You should not cuddle them. If you have to feed them, it's okay. And so here's this moment in history in which it was to discourage parents from actually holding their babies. This is the way it, it was described. So doctors were saying, don't pick up your child. So you have a kind of confluence among, going on there. You had your pediatrician saying, we're telling you for health reasons you should never cuddle your child or indulge them. And guess what? Psychology, at the same time, says if you follow those rules, if you show your child no affection, you'll actually make them into a better human being. So back off, they said. Now, I'm not making this up. This is what people were being taught and believed those hundred years ago. If you want your child to really become, be strong and develop resilience and to be able to make it on their own, 
You gotta just let them be by themselves. Don't hold them or cuddle them. And this is where they thought the science was leading them. So around, after this had happened for a couple of decades, a guy came along, his name was Harry Harlow, and he did a really fascinating experiment. Maybe you've heard about it. And he did it with baby monkeys. He raised them in an enclosure with two fake monkeys, two fake mother monkeys, you could see. And by the way, these were the only mothers these babies ever saw. When they were born, he did not allow them to be with the real mother. And the two mothers were, one is just a wire, you know, a wire shape, and it has a bottle in it to feed the monkey, and the other one is covered with terry cloth but has no bottle, no milk. Now, can you imagine what happened? The monkey baby would go over and drink from the wire monkey with the milk until it got its food, and immediately it would go over to the terry cloth monkey. And it would, be, it would cuddle that monkey and rub its face with that little terry cloth, that fur. And here it was seeking affection for that which we're made for. And you see, he was showing, look, babies, children are like this. They, they not only need feeding and caring for in that way, they need to be nurtured. They need affection. He showed that a parent's love for a child is one of the most important things that anybody could ever receive this warmth and affection and love. We need it to thrive. And here was the shocking thing is, as you read the biographer who I just quoted of Harry Harlow, the scientist who did this research, he was never loving. He was like the wire mother. You'll see a picture of him. He was cold and distant and unrelatable. He, he had four children and by two marriages, but he showed them no love. And as you read this story, you're like, oh my goodness, this guy has discovered how important this is, and he's missed it in his own life. And I couldn't read that without saying, is that not, that's our story. We, we hunger for this. We know the reality of this. You, you believe in God, but this is really, God is just really an idea to you, a, a concept. Oh yeah, you believe the idea, but where is this personal connection with the God who loves us. And so we say, well, how am I gonna experience that? How is that gonna happen? And that's what I wanna look at with you today, how our relationship with God really shapes the way that we come to pray, how we experience prayer and connection to our Father. Now, in this amazing book of Romans that Gabby read for us this morning, written by the Apostle Paul, we have this breathtaking section where we hear about our status before God, our identity really before God. And here's why Paul tells us this. It's not until you know who you're talking with and that relationship that you know how to communicate. I mean, you communicate with your spouse different than you do with your boss, differently than you would with your daughter or your son or your parent, right? Or that person who's a friend. And so that relationship really is what tells you, teaches you how you're gonna communicate. And so, by the way, we know a lot about God. The Jewish people did. God is in an unapproachable light. You cannot look on God and live. God is a consuming fire. He's, he's holy. Nobody can approach him. I, I love the story. I don't know if you're a fan of Annie Dillard. She's a great writer. She tells of, of a Jewish man who every morning he was a butcher. He got up every morning and he would hug his wife before he went off to work like he would never see her again. 
I mean, he would hug him, hug her with tears in his eyes, streaming down his eyes, and he, she, he would say goodbye to her, and he would do the same thing with his children. And you know why? Because when he went to his butcher's shop, he knew with every animal he killed, and he had to utter a prayer, and he was concerned. If he said that prayer in the wrong way, God could strike him down. So every day he left his house. He said goodbye to his wife, and he said goodbye to his kids. Because this is the reality of, of the God that we know. This is what Moses said happened when he returned from receiving the law of God. It says, and when the, the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke where Moses had been up, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak with us or we will die. You see, this is the Lord. But here is what Paul says to believers, right? This is what he says. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again like they did at that mountain. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. Wow, we were strangers before. We, we're not going to die if God speaks to us. This is, if you're in Christ, your new status. And by the way, that term sonship, he's using it because in Roman adoption, the way they thought about adoption, only a male would be adopted and could inherit the estate of the man who adopted him. Women couldn't be inheritors. So he takes this term and he applies it to both men and women who have come to faith in Christ it is for us all. Paul uses this language for all of us. We are given full status as children of God. Now, this language is so loaded. Like I said, Roman adoption in the empire was important at the time. Let me tell you why. Because if a man didn't have any sons, and he was an important guy, he wanted his family and legacy and future and estate to be carried on. And so what he would do is he would adopt a male child and he would raise that child as his own son. And then all those things would happen. He would have a future. And here's what it meant to be adopted in this way. First, all, if you're adopted, all your old debts are canceled. They're assumed by your adopting father, whatever they are. Okay, and this happens in Christ, right? You, re you receive a new name and you become an heir of all your father has. That's part of the purpose of this. Your new father becomes liable for all your actions. That's, that means after your adoption, if you do anything wrong, your dad has to cover it. And then finally, you live to honor your new father and you assume a permanent place in your new family. You see, he's describing the status we have in Christ. You see, we, I think we've made prayer transactional. Like, how do I talk God into doing stuff for me? I mean, how do I convince him? I mean, I sort of feel like I'm begging and pleading a good part. And Paul's like, no, no, uh, uh, you don't understand. It's not a transaction. This is the father and you're his child. He's adopted you in his family. You see, we worry about whether God will care for us. Listen to Jesus. He said, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's given you the kingdom already. You may not have taken hold of it yet. Do you know the kingdom? His kingdom is yours. Everything he has. And so he says, what are you worrying about? Why are you so filled with fear? 
So here are the three great truths about your status. First, there's a God. And all of this is his. He's all powerful. And he's chosen you to be his heir. He's invited you and his family. He's made you his own. Now, you may not see this. You may not know this. We live with the fear of these insecurities. I really think there are four statuses any human being could have. One is God isn't your father. You know, Scripture doesn't teach that every human being on earth has God as their father. Yes, we are created by God. We're his offspring in that sense. But they don't, we don't call God father unless we have this relationship through Christ. So then there are people who do have that, but they've never seen it. And then there are people who have seen it, but they haven't learned to enjoy it. They haven't learned to enjoy this relationship. So here's this beautiful picture of God inviting us into this relationship that opens up the way of prayer. He, Paul says he doesn't put you in the realm of all those fears anymore. That is all over. He, he's reminding us that we're loved by God, that we're secure. And by the way, let me tell you, in the Roman world, if you had a biological son, you could disown him. He could be disinherited. But it was impossible to do that with an adopted son. Your place is going to be there forever. This struck me years ago when I read the story of Stephanie Fast. You'll see a picture of her as a child. She was born to a Korean mother and an American soldier father during the Korean War. By the way, she never met her father. And at the age of five, she was put out on the street by herself, by her mother. Imagine age five wandering around with packs of other little children as well. She wandered the streets for three years, surviving with other homeless children. It was a horrible existence. I, I won't even tell you about the things that happened to her because they're so degrading and horrible. And what happened was because of that, she just grew more and more sick until one day she was literally in a garbage heap, a pile of garbage in one of the cities of South Korea. And at the time, a, a woman, her name was Iris Erickson, was a part of a European Christian mission and she was going around the city looking for these children. She would find them in these packs and, and try to bring them into the orphanage where they could have a future. And she walks along and she sees this little girl that's lying in the pile of trash and she assumes that she's dead or she's very close to death. And so she's not even gonna go over and help her because there's so many other children that she could reach. And at that time she said, it's like she heard a voice in her own native language that simply said, She's mine. She's mine. And she went over and, and had to scoop up little Stephanie, and she took her to a clinic, and sure enough, Stephanie began to improve. It was amazing what happened, a beautiful story. And finally, she's placed with the U.S. adoptive parents, sort of like that boy Daniel. It's an amazing story. And you begin to see, and you think, okay, now she, her life is opening up. And when she was adopted, she was taken to America, she couldn't imagine she was adopted. Because in Korea, what would happen, a little girl like her would be brought into a Korean home and her whole life she'd sort of be like a bond servant. She would serve the family, she'd be around, but she would never become a child. And this is what she thought had happened to her. And one day she's with one of her girlfriends, she's like 12 years old, and she's talking with her friend and her, this is what she says. She said, her friend looked at me, she looked at me with a surprised expression and she said, Stephanie, don't you realize you're their daughter? And the idea had never occurred to me. I said, I'm not their daughter. She said, yes, yes you are. You are their daughter. 
You're a member of their family. And you see, this is what Paul is trying to do. He's given us this amazing theology of God. He's, let me tell you about God. He, you don't stand in fear of him like they did on the mountain. He's your father. He's actually brought you into his family through faith in Jesus Christ. And until we get this about God, yeah, you may know God. You may even know that God loves you. Intellectually, you know this. You discover you are his, and there's a new security and a new joy and a, and a new realization. By the way, this, this changes the way you pray. I, I didn't learn this until I'd been a pastor 10 years. Oh, yeah, I knew that I was adopted, but I didn't see what it meant to, be, to have God as your, as your father, it's the way you enjoy your father. You say, well, how does this happen to me, pastor? How, how can this take place? How did God accomplish this? This is what we learn, Paul says elsewhere. But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in other words, just like us, to redeem those under the law, just like us, that we might receive adoption to sonship. You see, Jesus' purpose in taking on human flesh, just like you have, God became man so that he could bring you home to fellowship with his father. You see, he knew this love of the father. He walked around and said things like, well, I and the father are one. If, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And the people were amazed by this, right? He prayed like no one else ever prayed because he began his prayers, all of his prayers, in this way. Father. It was the word Abba, the most simple word in his language, Aramaic, to speak of his father. Nobody dared to do this. It was blasphemy, but Jesus did. And we hear this loving communication. Listen to the father speaking to Jesus. You're my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Can you imagine God saying that to you as your father? That, that's where we are. Yet, let me tell you this. There is one prayer. There's only one prayer of Jesus that we have where he didn't begin by calling him Father. These are the words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's his prayer from the cross. You see, here at the cross as he was bearing everything that separated us from God, here's this time when he feels this distance we've always felt, and he did it so that you might be brought near. You might be able to call God your Father and, and have confidence in going to him. And, that, and that's what we do. We pray, our Father, this is how he teaches us to pray. This is where we stand. This is the highest privilege that comes to us through Jesus. You're in Christ, and because of Jesus, you're in God's family. Listen to Todd Billings. We are actually incorporated in Christ into Christ's own life. That is what union with Christ is, which enables adoption and new life as adopted children by the Spirit's power. God is your loving Father. He wants you to come to him. He enjoys communion with you. Prayer isn't a duty you must perform, but it's an experience to enjoy. One where you come to know God more and more as your father. Does your father want to hear your prayers? Of course he does. You know, I have three children, and they're all grown, and they're married. I love it when my daughter calls me daddy. And my little, my grandchildren, you know what their word for me is? Pops. And so I hear running through the house, pops, pops, pops. I love it. And this is your father, if you could see his love for you. Of course you can trust him. He is for you. I, I shared this story a couple of years ago from before my dad 
passed away, Sandy and I had the honor of walking with my dad through his last months and years and days of his life. And I remember, you know, I was sort of rewinding the tape with my own father. We didn't always have the best of relationships, but, but I, know that, I knew that he, he loved me even when he didn't know how to show it or I didn't know how to receive it. And I remember just as I was reviewing the tapes, I, I got to a scene in which I said something, I did something to my dad that was so ungracious. It really was disgusting to me as I thought about it. I, I won't tell you what happened, but suffice it to say it was unkind and very disrespectful. And you know what I did? I, I prayed for a time to apologize to him. And in those days, he, he didn't have a good day every day. And I didn't get to see him every day. So I just wanted a time when the two of us could be in person and he was lucid and I could ask his forgiveness. And you know, that day actually came, the day when I could talk with him and I, and I reminded him of, of what I had done and, and how I had treated him and I told him how sorry I was. And, and right there, he told me it was nothing. He said it was nothing. And here he was, when I thought it was my job to be loving him, he was loving me. And as I thought about that, I thought, do, do you get your father? I mean, your heavenly father. We're so worried about those things. And, and he's like, look, this is covered. You're my son and my daughter. That's never going to change. Here's Paul. And, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If we're God's children, of course, we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Isn't that beautiful? As you listen to babies, well, the first syllables are like, ba, 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 right? Or, or maybe ma. We don't like them to say mother before they say father, right? We fathers want to hear them call our name. But that's why Abba, Abba is the word for father in Jesus' language. Here's the most basic and intimate cooing of a baby in the face of her father. Except, he says, we cry out when we have need, just like that baby, Papa. This is how we approach God, not in the slavery of fear, it says, but in the freedom of God's beloved children. You know what? Your sonship, this relationship, means you always have access. It is in prayer that we come to experience this connection that the Spirit of God confirms as we cry out to the Father. That's what's being said here. Hey, you don't know your Father in this way? Start calling out to him. Begin coming to him in prayer. It may, it may take a little while, but you're going to see this is the relationship you now have. You're going to learn this by praying. Let me tell you what happened to the Solomons who adopted Daniel, who became violent with his mother. He had an attachment disorder, and I think that's a good way to talk about our relationship with the Father, right? We felt so many years of distance, it's hard for us to believe now that he, he really loves us. And to learn how to receive that love. Well, that's what Daniel had. He'd been in a horrible place, and now he's legally a member of the Solomon family. He's given a new name, a new place, a new life. And all of this was true, but he could not accept this. He couldn't believe it. And like I said, even the social worker told the Solomons, you got to give him up. He's never going to get there. It won't happen. And after seeing scores of professionals, one doctor did this. Really bright, right? He said, you need to go back to the beginning. You know when those tiny little babies are tiny? They can't do anything for themselves. So you've got to treat Daniel like he can't. You've got to give him a lot of eye contact. You've got to hold him as much as possible. 
And he can't do anything for himself, so you need to try and anticipate every need. He can't ask you for stuff. You just have to do it. Immense amount of being held. So imagine this teenager. His parents are on the couch, and they're trying to hold him, and it's feeling weird, really weird. This is what he said about it. He said, I hated it. I totally, absolutely, I hated it. I did everything not to do it. It was awkward. It felt threatening because he had never been loved. He wanted to run. But love persisted, and one day, there was a tiny little turn. He reached out, and he touched his mother back, and she had touched him. And slowly, he began to welcome affection until Daniel felt like a true son. Here he is with his mother those years later. Really, in his thinking, to be son of Rick and Heidi Solomon, it took that. Have you gotten there with God? You know, this is the most important thing that happens to a follower of Christ after you come to him. It's coming to the place where it's, I belong to the Father. I'm loved by him. I, I have a place that can never be taken away. You see, outside the fact that we are saved by grace, God's unconditional love, this is the most important truth for you to internalize. And it'll change everything about your life and about your prayer. And the way you see yourself going forward in the future. Would you pray with me? Father, this text says that only the Spirit can lead us to this place. And so I know even speaking here is we hear the story of so many people who have struggled like we have to welcome your love. Lord, only your Spirit can help us to see the truth. Lord, if we can... If we could only see how you have cared for us and all that you've done for us in Jesus. Yet in the gospel, you've loved us to such an extent, we can always run to you. You'll never turn us away. There's nothing we can say in prayer, nothing we can do in our lives that will jeopardize our place with you. And we have an inheritance waiting for us, your kingdom. And we are joined to Christ in this way. So, Lord, help us to grasp what only your spirit can lead us into so that we might enjoy what you planned for us. We might be able to enjoy you. Lord, some of us had human fathers that made us hard to, for us to ever see you like a father. They fathered so poorly. And, Lord, I think one of the reasons we are so disappointed and hurt by them is because you've meant to use fathers to teach us about how great your love is. Lord, I pray that you would lead us to a place where we can see your love for us. Help us to see how great your grace is. And we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.